Do you want to talk to your network that, that you are on the hunt for people to disciple? You want to make that clear to people. If you're not finding uh, those people in your own network, oftentimes, if you think about your network, let's say you know, you know, uh, 150 people in your area that you could have a conversation with. They know you, they trust you, they like you. <clears throat> now, those 150 people probably know 150 people, you know, that you don't know, um, or at least 100 that you don't know. And that, those, that is thousands of people. And so it's really much easier oftentimes to find people to disciple through your network by making it clear, guys, I am looking for people who are hungry to follow Jesus. I am a disciple maker. I, I want to invest in people. I want to see people transformed by the gospel. I want to see people learning to follow Jesus. If you know people like that, that, that are hungry and that are interested, please let me know who they are. Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. So today's episode was taken from one of our coaching intensives called Life on Life Discipleship, where we provide you with personal coaching and equipping on your journey to taking on apprentices to multiply disciples. So to learn more about this coaching intensive, visit 1kh.org slash discipleship. Let's jump into today's episode. In 1933, there was a lumberyard worker who was studying the Bible and got so convicted about how clear Jesus's command to go and make disciples was and how little he felt like he was seeing it around him and in his own life. And he decided to go out and find somebody to just really make a disciple out of. And he, he uh, ran across this guy named Les Spencer, who was in the Navy at the time, and took him under his wing and spent hours with this guy, teaching him everything he knew about following Jesus, helping him memorize verses, uh, and just really working with him. Les Spencer was being totally transformed in such, such a way and in such a dramatic way that as he was going back, into his, uh, back to his Navy ship, uh, in the evenings and, and spending time there, people were noticing the transformation. And there was a guy who came up to him and said, hey, what's going on with you? Like, I, I, you know, I want what you have. And so Les Spencer came back to his disciple maker and said, hey, I found a guy who really wants to also be taught. Can you teach him? Now, this is a really interesting moment because if this disciple maker said, sure, I'll, I'll teach him, then that may have been the end of the disciple making movement that was about to explode in uh, all over the world. But he said to Les Spencer, no, I'm not going to make a disciple out of him. You are. And if you can't make a disciple, you can't pass on the things that I've given to you, then everything I've done for you has really been in vain. So Les Spencer took that call very seriously, went back, and made a disciple of this new person. Well, that original disciple maker, uh, his name was Dawson Trotman, and he, this was the very, very inception point of a movement called the Navigators, which was the most successful disciple-making movement in the entire West during the 20th century. It's unbelievable the amount of impact this, this ministry had. And it really started because one guy took incredibly seriously both commands. The first command was to make disciples, but the second was to make sure that those disciples would make other disciples. That is oftentimes, the, that second piece is oftentimes the really difficult one, the thing that we, we, we do not oftentimes get, get, get right. And uh, Dawson Trotman was famous for uh, having a simple um, acronym for the kinds of people that he was looking to disciple. And as he was trained people to disciple others, what they should look for, he said to them always, you need to find fat people. And that fat meant faithful, available, and teachable. 
I want to talk a little bit about how to find these people, but first of all, I want to kind of put a little bit more uh, a little bit more on what these kinds of people look like. Um, and the navigators have really thought a lot about about what this is. They don't usually use the word the the acronym FAT anymore. They use the acronym FAITH: Faithful, Available, Initiative, Teachable, and Heart. And I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about each one. I think this is one of the most helpful. Um, what, uh, kind of tools that the navigators have brought to the to the whole world of disciple making, and that is a very simple way to sort of make sure that that the people you're investing in are the ones who are really ready. And so the word faithful uh, they they define as a person who understands what being faithful is, how God blesses steps of obedience. Also, someone who has demonstrated a pattern of faithfulness in small tasks. And so you give them little things to do, things that have very very clear outcome based. Um, uh, results so that you can know if they've done them or not. And then if they are consistently doing those things, then yet they're faithful. Available, of course, is somebody who is willing to uh, open up their lives. This is both available in terms of time and in terms of their own life. Are they are they available um, to spend time with you? It's a really important thing that as you're multiplying disciples, that people you're discipling are are really uh, willing to to do the work of sort of basing a lot of their time around your time and not expecting you to constantly sort of bend to their schedule. So you need somebody who is available or is willing to make themselves available. Initiative is somebody who takes the initiative and, and uh, the kind of famous quote from Trotman is, what others can't and won't do. So these are people that uh, that you see, they, they, they try to figure out how to make things happen. Um, they, they push into that kind of uncomfortable space when there's a gap and says, okay, this is, I'm going to try to reach out to people. And, and that's a big part of obedience. People have to take the initiative to spend time with the Lord, to find people uh, to make disciples. Those of you guys who are taking this course are demonstrating a, a, a real ability and desire and a character quality of initiative. You're like learning, you're being coached. That, that's a big part of what it means to find a disciple. Teachable is, of course, a person who's open to learning. They're eager, eager to learn. They're humble. They're, they're teachable in that like they, they, when they hear something, they're trying to put it into practice. You can see and sense that when they hear something, they're, they're really trying to work it out. Every once in a while, I'll run across somebody who looks incredibly teachable. Um, in other words, they'll ask great questions. They'll dive deep into a topic, but they never they never really seem to do anything with it. <clears throat> so it's really important to to talk to, to understand that people that are really humble and teachable are also p- putting it into practice. And the last one is their heart. And that the way that this is described by the NAVs is that they, their heart really has to be for God and for people. Um, sometimes people are like, they, they, want, they want discipleship, but they, they are very uh, into it because they're super into personal growth. They don't really love God or love other people. They love themselves, and so they're like, they see you spending time with them as a great way for them to grow, but they want to grow for very self-centered reasons. Now, you can help somebody and work somebody out of that if they're committed to Jesus, if they've made Jesus Lord, but it's really important that they have a heart for God and for others. You want to see them really love God and love others. You want to see the seeds of that that can be uh, really developed through the disciple-making process. So where are these people? I mean, sometimes when we put up, you know, these kind of profiles of different people, it can get a little discouraging or frustrating because, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling and that really need help. And so we want to understand, like, is there is there a way that we can find these people? And oftentimes, uh, people go in out of seasons of being faithful, available, and teachable. And so it's not just like this is a particular kind of person. Oftentimes this is, for them, a, a particular season that they're in. They may be going through a crisis and now they just suddenly become extremely teachable. You know, they may have just lost a job or have, a, have had an employment change or coming out of college and they're very available. And so this is not saying that th- this kind of person 
is is that way all of the t- all of the time. But they're able to sync up with you in a season when they are being faithful, available, and teachable. So, what, where are some places you can find these people? I'm going to give you guys seven places that you can look to find people like this. The, number, the first place is be very aware anywhere in your city where new believers are emerging. So, an example in our area is there's a um, a brand new ministry that that started a few years back called Man Camp, and there were so many people coming to faith at this thing, like hundreds of guys coming to faith, faith for the first time. And they, they le- left it open for anyone who can, can come be a leader. Um, and so you see a place that where there's a lot of move moving going on like that, that's a great place to go. If you know of places where people are coming to faith, uh, they'd be aware of where those are because the, the, they're, all those people are going to n- need disciple-making. A lot of times, places that are really good at evangelism, um, they don't have a discipleship strategy, and they will love it if you come in and help uh, people grow after uh, they're doing the thing that they're, they're really gifted at and feel called to in evangelism. Number two, um, <clears throat> I'm always wanting to be aware of churches in an area that are growing fast because of their reputation for teaching. <clears throat> the reason why I think this is really valuable is that if you imagine in, in a location, people are trying to look for the kind of church that they want to go to. Oftentimes, when a believer gets to that kind of faithful, available, teachable moment in their own life, they decide, I really, really want to learn. They're super teachable. A teachable person is going to look for a teacher. And so where do people go today to find teaching? They find it in very teaching-heavy churches. And so there are kind of two kinds of people in these teaching-heavy churches. Some of them are, you know, sort of those kinds of consumer Christians who are just wanting to constantly, you know, learn more, and they're not that interested in obedience. They're very academic. Um, There are those kinds of people that are very attracted to teaching-oriented churches. But what I've also discovered is that there is a percentage of people that get attracted to those places that are very hungry to be discipled. They are looking for a teacher to help guide them. They can't find one, and so they're going from church to church, trying to find a place where there's lots of solid meat teaching that they can really sink their teeth into and be transformed by. And so if you go to those churches and start networking in those places, oftentimes you'll find people that are excited to be discipled. The third is you want to talk to your network that that you are on the hunt for people to disciple. You want to make that clear to people. If you're not finding uh, those people in your own network, oftentimes if you think about your network, let's say you know you know, uh, 150 people in your area that you could have a conversation with, they know you, they trust you, they like you. <clears throat> now, those 150 people probably know 150 people you know, that you don't know, um, or at least 100 that you don't know, and that, those, that is thousands of people. And so it's really much easier oftentimes to find people to disciple through your network by making it clear, guys, I am looking for people who are hungry to follow Jesus. I am a disciple maker. I, I want to invest in people. I want to see people transformed by the gospel. I want to see people learning to follow Jesus. If you know people like that, that, that are hungry and that are interested, please let me know who they are. Like, like, is anybody coming to mind as I'm even saying this? Like, and then just write down their names, get their contact information, follow up, and find these people. Um, and so most people's networks is large enough that if they network within their network, Outside of that, that next layer outside of their network, there's lots of people, even if they're not people in their immediate circle. <clears throat> By the way, when you find one person who really wants to be discipled, I have found that it's really good to ask that person, who do you know that's in your similar season of life that you think also needs to be discipled? Because they often have a little cohort of friends that they are, even one or two others, that, that are in their same sort of circumstance 
and that you can immediately bring into a discipling relationship. Now, you might may know this first person, but not the other two uh, or three people that they would bring into that group. Okay, so um, asking your network is number three. Number four, leading a study or what's often called a shelf life group, um, like the Storyform Life. This is not a small group, but a group that just starts and stops. If you lead consistently a group like that, that is really known to transform people, there are a lot of people that will invite others that are that are really hungry for discipleship. So I, I lead a story from life usually at least two times a year, and and that's about uh, somewhere between seven and ten weeks, depending on how long we decide to make it each time. And so let's say we do a seven week story from life, and we got fifteen or twenty people. You know, we spend a couple of months promoting it. We get you know fifteen twenty people. Um, oftentimes, I'll find at least two or three people at the at the end of that course that are really hungry for discipleship. And so that's for me the, the number one way that I often find uh, new people to disciple. All right, the fifth one is network with others who are making disciples in seasonal spurts. So one of the things I really, really wish would happen, I'm really hoping happens um, as people get a hold of uh, this kind of uh, way of disciple making, that that they would, if if I'm spending six months discipling somebody and they begin to reproduce that, their discipleship's not over. And so I would love it if other people would take the people that I am concluding uh, in my season of discipleship. I've done my best to give them what I have, but there's so much more that they can grow in. And so they can go on to the next person. And likewise, I would love to receive somebody who is being discipled by you know, a friend of mine, somebody in my network, and they are concluding a season of discipleship. They, they have been a faithful person, but they still need more growth. And they think, hey, maybe Jeremy's a good next step for you. Why don't you go and get discipled by him next? And then and so we could be sharing uh, that, and so that one person would have you know three, four, five experiences of discipleship, and not just one. Um, and so that's a great way if this takes off uh, to to begin to learn um, uh, to begin to meet people that can be discipled. Uh, number six, through your own outreach efforts. Obviously, there's almost nothing better than seeing somebody come to faith in Christ, now be a total baby in Christ, and need to be discipled. Um, if you get to be a part of that entire process, that's incredible. And so I love investing in evangelism because I'm hoping that I get to have that experience where somebody comes to faith and then I get to spend months pouring into them and, and helping them take their first steps in the faith towards following Jesus. And the seventh one I would say is just your community. So part of it, part of what we encourage you guys to do is be a part of a community. And certainly if you have a community of people you live life with and there are people in that community that are you know a few steps behind you and that need discipleship, that is such a wonderful place to, to look because they are already in sync with you from rhythms, you're doing life together in, in other ways. Why not also involve them in a season of discipleship? So those are always the people at the very top of my list for, for when it comes to discipleship. If you're in my community, then um, I, I'm definitely going to think about you first when it comes to disciple making. So I think that's a real, um, that's a really uh, important place to go. So um, what I want to ask you guys is, as you think about making disciples, and you're looking for these people who are faithful and available and have initiative and are teachable and have a heart for God and others, do, do, do a lot of people come to mind? I mean, could you list five, ten people that you think, oh, man, they're, they're likely people that, that would be a great fit for a season of discipleship? If not, then you have a pipeline problem, and that is not hard to fix. These seven things that I listed are simple ways to fix a pipeline problem where you are going to need a continual stream of people that are faithful and available and teachable that you can invest in. And so you, we want to make sure that, that you are not stopping your efforts of disciple making because of a lack of people. There are so many people who want to be discipled. This is not the biggest problem uh, we have in our culture. 
There are so many people that are hungry for the Lord. There are people that go in and out of seasons like we talked about. There are definitely a lot of consumer Christians. But there are so many people who are hungry for this kind of thing. And that it just does not exist at any level or any scale in most of our cities. And so we have to do that, the little initial work of making sure that we're plugged into these pipelines to, to meet the people that are really hungry for this and are ready for it. But once we do that, oftentimes it's not that difficult to find the people. Um, and so what are, what are the, where would you say you're at right now when it comes to your pipeline? How strong is it? Are there some things that you might need to do in one of these seven areas we talked about to make sure that that pipeline is strong and that you're meeting people that need disciple, discipleship? So just take some, some time and think through um, where you're at when it comes to finding faithful, available, teachable people. And we'd love to talk about any of the strategies that, that we've discussed or others that you've maybe have thought about to really strengthen that pipeline. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a deep desire to actually make disciples in your context, but you simply don't know how, we'd love to invite you to apply for our coaching intensive called Life on Life Discipleship, where you're going to work through online content and receive personal coaching on this journey to making disciples that multiply. So for more information and to apply for this coaching, head over to 1kh.org slash discipleship. We'll see you for the next episode.